Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief, Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about this potential federal strike action yeah. here. Wow, this is huge here. We're talking like 155,000 workers here potentially walking off the job. Two weeks from uh, tax deadline. Yeah. And you could have CRA workers walk out? Well, I mean, this is the union applying maximum pressure at a time when they can apply maximum pressure. What better time to strike if you're that union than right now? Because there's a lot of uh, public interest in tax returns, particularly if you're owed money rather than owing money. Well, yeah, if you're due a refund, yep. how long would you have to wait for your refund now? Oh, conceivably, go on it, strike. Could, it could go on for quite some time. So Wednesday, I think, is the, the strike deadline. Let's, li- let's listen to the union president here. So this is Chris Aylward, president of the Public Service Alliance of Canada. This is the union involved here, and here he is speaking earlier this morning. If there is no deal reached by 9 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow, April 18th, I am authorizing a national general strike. Wow. This guy's talking tough. Like, it sounds like a high noon. Wow. <laughs> Again, uh, having been through this myself with strikes, you yeah. strike the opportune moment. Yeah. And this is the opportune moment for that union because of the tax deadline and the tax returns. And millions of Canadians are expecting a tax return. Uh, not everyone owes money. Many people are entitled to a tax return. So this is gonna. this is the maximum pressure point for the union to strike. Okay, so of course the dispute is largely over money. The government has offered 2% a year each year over a five they want a five-year deal mm. the federal government 2% a year. The union it's pushing to cut it. Well, yeah, that's pretty low. Well, you, you contrast that in BC where the the settlement here yeah. for public sector unions is about 14% over 3 years. Right. Give or take one or two points here and there. Uh, so that's almost 5% a year, uh, not 2% a year. So 2% a year was yesterday. I mean, that was old times when, when cost of living wasn't a big deal. Now cost of living, even though inflation is slowing, 2% a year uh, is just not going to get it done. The union saying they're looking for 4.5% raise per year over a three-year deal. So you got an offer of 2%. That's basically BC settlement, r- roughly. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like. Okay, so they're they're offering two percent. The union wants four and a half percent. I mean, that's not exactly a chasm. I mean, that's no. you know they're they're apart, but no, nope, they're, they're really going to strike over that. Well, I, union I think would strike over that. Whether the employer would have an extended strike when the difference is not that huge well, is another yeah. question. Yeah, I, I wonder. Like tr- we just heard a clip there from Trudeau on the news there saying I mean, we're going to continue to bargain here. Or we're going to bargain responsibly. Does the does the government dig in here? And refuse to budge on a two percent wage offer. Uh, well, oh. I don't know. We don't have a lot of uh, federal strikes. You know, yeah. provincial strikes are much more, uh, I think, um, predictable, as we've seen in, in, in the past. But federal, we don't have a lot of experience with federal strikes. I mean, you have to go back. Remember the old postal wars with Oh uh, man, with, Cup with, W, Cup W. Oh boy, those were pretty, Perot, that guy. <laughs> that were, guy was. Those were pretty dramatic. Uh, oh, but those huh. days are long gone. So this is the first big public sector strike on the federal level we've yeah. seen in quite some time. Now it, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, there have been eleventh hour deals. We may see one here. But it strikes me that two percent a year from the employer is out of step with what um, I think unions are looking for. Now, BC's settlement with its public sector workers is more generous than other provinces, as far as I know. Ontario and Alberta, for example, did not come anywhere near 
what BC's offered their public sector unions. And, and again, uh, we have yet to see any union out of step in BC. Everyone's fallen into line with this yeah. this uh, this mandate, uh, which, again, is roughly 14% over three years. Right. And CRA, by the way, saying we will not extend the deadline to file your taxes, which is coming up here in like two weeks. Like, why not? If they go on strike, why would you not extend the deadline? Like, come mm-hmm. on. Maybe that'll change if there uh, is a strike. Well, I think some things are going to change on this. Yeah. It'll be interesting if you owe money, you are docked a penalty if you are late filing. Oh, right. Now, is that so you be, better file. Is that going to be waived, though, if there's extended well, transaction? Well, that's the thing. Okay, but if you do owe money, I'd, I'd advise you to still file your taxes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Katie Telford, the Prime, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's chief of staff, there was so much hype here about her testimony last week over allegations of Chinese state mm-hmm. interference in Canadian elections. So she finally appears in front of a parliamentary committee on Friday. And like we were sort of speculating, would she say anything at all? Well, you know, I speculated she wouldn't, that this was going to be a wet firecracker. Right. And she hid behind the... the excuse that she could not reveal a lot of answer a lot of questions because of national security entirely predictable yeah it's top secret so and that's that's what happened i mean she has testified for like two hours and hardly said anything so let's have a listen here's kd telford the prime minister's chief of staff here i will do my best to answer your questions at the same time i must respect the law publicly disclosing what our intelligence agencies know or how they come to know it can irreparably harm canada's national interests and put people's lives in danger. I can't, unfortunately, speak to specifics of what the Prime Minister has or has not been briefed on in all of this. It was just a little highlight of the continuing <laughs> non-answers. And, and that's why a public inquiry, I think, would just have limited impact, because you'd see the same answer or non-answer from Ms. Telford and other officials as well. You well it depends gonna, who testifies, maybe. Well, you know? You're not going to have CSIS officials. Yeah. You know, so there's no reason to think that anyone else is going to be more forthcoming than Ms. Telford was. Yeah. And now, but a lot of people are looking at this sort of non, non-testimony non or non-answers to these questions here and saying, well, this is why we need a public inquiry. But I'm not sure, that, like, the public Why inquiries... would the answers change? Well, I guess the argument is, well, this thing is so hyper-partisan in Ottawa right now in front of these committees that if you put it in the hands of some impartial, independent public but I don't, inquiry... I, I don't think someone like Telford would change her answers yeah. in a public inquiry rather than a House of Commons committee. It is more partisan, for sure, but it doesn't change... Her, her interpretation of her responsibilities, obviously she cannot violate certain rules... And if she doesn't violate them in front of a House of Commons committee, she's not going to do it in front of a public inquiry either. What did you think of Twitter uh, putting a, a notice on CBC saying that identifying them as government-funded media? You and know, this is something that Pierre Polyev had actually asked Twitter yeah. to do, and then they did it. I find Polyev's war in the media a bit troubling. Now, CBC is a competitor. I have some problems with CBC getting a huge subsidy and then being allowed to advertise on digital, you know, take digital advertising competing against the private sector. Having said that, CBC is a valuable uh, Canadian institution. It's not like Pravda or, you know, <laughs> a, the TASS news agency of the old Soviet Union. It's a, it's a legitimate news broadcaster. Uh, it, it, Goes after the government on a regular basis when it deserves it, and so I think it's a, I think it's a bit unfair. I mean, I know a lot of reporters at CBC. Yeah, um, one just walked by us. They're the good, re- good reporters. So here's the thing: like, you know, 
Elon Musk is saying, well, we're just trying to be accurate. And how can you dispute that CBC is a government-funded media outlet? Isn't that just the truth? Well, Postmedia gets money from the government as well. well there's yeah, newspaper yeah. fund. Um, you know, there's all sorts of federal moving parts when it comes to media, both in the United States and in Canada. So just to label something as a state-funded um, media organization, I think, is a bit loose with the truth. Well, then, if you go on the Twitter Help Center, by the way, and you want to get a definition, well, what does this mean? So Twitter themselves says government-funded media is identified as outlets that have varying degrees of government involvement over editorial content. Well, which CBC is, you know, disputes. So that's not the case. It's not the case. Yeah. No, and it's not the case with post media either. I mean, yeah. just because you get government subsidy or money or whatever does not mean the government has control over your editorial uh, independence. So it's a complete falsehood, I think. Let's listen to Pierre Polyev. Now, Polyev has vowed to defund the CBC. But here's the interesting Except for wrinkle. Radio Canada. Well, this is the thing. So this is where this is where the little loophole is. He says he'll defund CBC, but listen to what he says about French language content from the CBC, okay? So here's Polyev. Listen to this. Almost everything the CBC does can be done in the marketplace these days because of technology. Um, I would preserve a small amount for French language minorities, uh, for linguistic minorities, uh, because they, um, frankly, will not get uh, news services provided by the market. And why wouldn't? Why wouldn't there be French language yeah, wonder, news service in why. Quebec? I wonder why. why. Yeah. Now he. I mean, is this pandering to Quebec? They all do it. Every single one of these parties. Are you panders suggesting to a politician is pandering to Quebec? Yes, I am. Are you suggesting that, <laughs> sir? Yeah. No, that's exactly what this is. And also, Paul has to. I should be a little careful. CBC Radio, for example, in some small communities in rural Canada, is the only station available. It's the only source of information. So it's one. It's all nice and good. So we should defund CBC, which I don't agree with. And again, I've got some problems as a, a journalist who competes with them, with them getting tax money to uh, chase after ads that uh, we can't compete with. But they are uh, information lifeline to many small communities. I think they back down to. I bet you, if Polyev becomes prime minister, would, they would uh, back down on this. I think he'd back down. Now, he might. Back he might. As we he saw, cut Harper, the budget. he could cut the budget, but yeah. I don't think he would totally defund no. the CBC. No, we're talking about a billion dollars. Yeah. There's no way that's going to happen. He, he's but, ba he's but, basically but, vowed to cut that whole. But billion. it's interesting. Polio's war in the media. He's, I don't know if he's trying to take a page out of Trump or what. But you know, he went up to the CBC. Then he went after the Canadian press last week. You were yeah. a former CP reporter. I worked at Canadian Press for it's, eight it's years. A total professional, legitimate organization. Yeah. And for to suggest that it, it's being controlled by you know these other forces is ridiculous. Well, he was criticizing CP effectively because the CBC is one of the large clients of mm -hmm. the Canadian press, which is the central news agency of Canada. And I'm like, I was listening to that, and I was like, I was like, I'm trying to connect these dots. I worked there for eight years. I didn't even know that CBC was their largest. No largest client I, if i had been asked to get maybe i would have guessed that if i had even given it a moment and i don't spot. know if it's the largest when you, you got post media well right? that's the thing i would have thought maybe some of these big newspaper yeah. chains were bigger but um they're all big clients you know keith baldry is my guest right to your phone calls al in coquitlam hi al go ahead hey good morning guys you guys do a great job uh, and, and I'm not just complimenting you to give you a compliment, but you guys deserve a 4.5% raise at least every year for a while, don't you think? Exactly. Very nice of you to very, say that. Very good. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to say? That, 
was primarily it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's honestly, you know, I think that like this, this, I'm nothing against unions specifically, but when I hear this kind of, when I hear this kind of talk, like that money comes out of my pocket and it comes out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really trying to understand the logic behind it. Is it, it you know, simply just because, you know, the cost of living goes up and it goes up everywhere. I'm not getting that kind of raise. Uh, you're not getting that kind of raise. And I have to tell you, like, I, I had to try to get my passport later, uh, late last year, and I was watching everything that goes on on a federal level regarding the, the office. They, they get coffee breaks, like, regularly. I mean, it took me forever. I, I've waited hours to get it. I, I mean, just in general, I don't understand it, frankly. It, well, it drives me crazy. Well, do you think they should take the 2%? I think you should get what's offered. I, I mean, you know, oh, that's a pretty, it's, that's it's, a pretty skimpy run like this. That's I a mean, pretty that's skimpy raise. Deficit. They're the only people that can retire at 55 because they have pensions yeah. that we have to pay for, and everyone else is suffering. And people are moving. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I see people living in tents and RVs. I mean, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I have a house. You know, but when I hear stuff like that, it just, I. It just—it really makes me angry. Thank you, thank you, Al. Well, I wonder again: as proverbials um, draw a line down the middle, is the settlement going to be not four and a half, not two, maybe three, three and a half? You know, maybe three, three that's where the settlement comes in on. Gordon in West Kelowna. Hi, Gordon. Go ahead. Yeah, that two or four percent is peanuts compared to what the Federation of Businesses pointed out. What they're trying to hide and hurry up and get this done because the perks that are involved in there that Canadians don't get and I don't have time to go into it, of course, mm-hmm. is ridiculous. What the government needs to do, instead of going out and promoting all their budgets and everything, they need to legislate them back to work and go out and tell people why they're legislated back to work, because the perks on that, if you ever look at them, are totally ridiculous. Well, Thank a lot you. of people will point to the pension plan that an earlier caller pointed Well, there's to. no question. Public sector uh, union contracts have much more generous benefits and pensions oh, than yeah. in private sectors. Sure. Absolutely no question. Yeah. Now, it, caller makes an interesting point, legislated end. So, so far, there's no strike. They haven't gone on strike yet. But we've seen back-to-work legislation before at both the provincial and federal levels. Yeah. And if this thing drags on for some time, don't rule that out as a possibility. Yeah. Rob in Vancouver. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Oh, hi, guys. Um, I'm just calling about CBC Radio's uh, <clears throat> perception of bias. Uh, I find their international news to be very, very good. Uh, unfortunately, they're... Canadian news, they're so terrified of being accused of pro-government bias that they really tend to flop the other way. Um, they live in total fear of being called pro-government. Uh, it's not the way Polyev looks at it. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, have, I have a lot of respect for my CBC colleagues. Yeah, I think me they're too. very high quality of journalism there. Yeah. Uh, I think it's unfair for Poliev to attack them. I think it's unfair for Twitter to characterize them as some sort of being beholden to the government because they get money from them. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, I can see, I understand Poliev, he attacks the media because it's kind of red meat for his base. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to appeal outside of the debate base to win an election, I'm not sure the attacking the media is the right way to go. No, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think politicians can can dine out on attacking the media because a lot of people well, have problems with the media. Sure. But I think it's unfair to single out the CBC as some sort of special case of being beholden to the government. 